Welcome to Sleepy Head Stories today. We love to read books, be silly, and play. Me and my mommy are here every week to read you great stories that all are unique. Join us at bedtime, or bath time, or breakfast. We promise it's better than a trip to the dentist. Welcome to Sleepyhead Stories. So, Conchetta, mm-hmm. how old do you think Halloween is? The day of Halloween. How long do you think we've celebrated it in the 110? world? 110. 110 years? I don't know. Since <laughs> I was, I don't know. I mean, longer than I was born? Halloween is over 2,000 years old. Do you believe that? Do you want to know how I many years that is? I need proof. Well, I you can proof. find proof anywhere that you research Halloween, so I can Google it later and show you. But Halloween used to be Google called... Google is a lie! No. Halloween used to be called Samhain, or Samhain, or Samhain. And it used to be celebrated by the Celts, which were people that live now in Ireland and the UK, 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 years ago. And the reason... No, wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. Created. So I'm telling you, over 2,000 years ago by the Celts, which are the people that live in Ireland and England today, they started it, and what it was, was a celebration of the end of summer, the end of the harvest of all the vegetables that grew all summer long, and they knew that winter was coming, cold, long, dark months. You know how it's starting to get darker now? In earlier, right? It used to be light when you would go to bed. Now it's dark, right? Now when you wake up in the morning, it's still pretty dark, right? Mm -hmm. So they knew that this time of year where it's winter time and the more dark would come, and they would associate that with spirits, people from the dead. But why did they... Dead? Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? So they believed in spirits, and they believed that when people die... it's they turn like, into a spirit. So like, like Buddha? Not really like Buddha. <laughs> Jetta says Buddha because her father loves Buddha. Like when people die, like ghosts. Let me say that. So ghosts they believed in ghosts. Well, ghosts you don't think ghosts are real? No. Okay, well they did. And they didn't want to be bothered by bad ghosts that might come and spook them out. So they would have the celebration as the summer was ending. It, at night, they would light big, big bonfires, big campfires, and they would dance around and they would dress up like, like scary goblins and things to scare away the spirits. So the spirits thought, oh, or the ghosts thought, oh, I'm not going to go near them because there's all kinds of crazy goblins over there. And they would eat and like dance and party that night. And that was how Halloween started. There's more information on it. We can look at that later. But basically, and then it went for thousands of years to the Halloween that we have today. And that's why. How do you know this? Because I used my brain and I researched it. And that's why you dress up in costumes. But fairies aren't scary. I dress up like a fairy. All right. Well, you don't always have to dress as a scary thing. 
right? Yeah, I like this year and dressing up. But that's why in Halloween you see witches and spooky faces and people carve pumpkins. Yeah, one time I watched on YouTube, this mm-hmm. guy was great at carving pumpkins. Yeah. It looks like this. Yeah, right. Exactly like it. And you put them outside your house and you light them up at night to scare away the ghosts. Nowadays, we don't really believe that ghosts are going to come or anything like that, but we just keep the tradition alive, and that's why we celebrate Halloween. Do you believe that? I still need proof. <laughs> I'll show you on the internet. So to- the internet is a lie! No, this is real. So today, we're going to read a story from 1927, Nine- which was like kidding? almost 100 years ago. I don't believe All about Halloween. But it's not a scary one. It's I a nice one. I'm not gonna, I don't believe that. I'm not going to read it. Well, I'm going to read it. You don't believe I, it? I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it. So, guys, that is how Halloween started. That's the, not the basic... Not you! Do not listen to my mother! Well, do you, how do you think Halloween started? It just was always... Halloween was always there? <laughs> there was always trick-or-treats? Um, uh, wait, wait. Everything wait, wait, starts wait, wait, from wait. somewhere. I have a question. Go ahead. That... What's your question? Why do we... Why on Halloween do we go up to people's doors and give them candy? Well, that's a whole nother tradition that started, I can tell you. But basically, it's no, because they started... The because it's supposed to be like a party. And so when you have parties, you just get special treats. Because it used to be that kids didn't get candy or sweets every single day of the year. They had to have it only on special occasions. It was a special treat to no. get candy. Yes. You hear that, guys? It used to be a special treat to get no, cakes and candy. Don't look at my mother. <laughs> you didn't get it just because you wanted it. And so it started out as a way to celebrate the, the day of Halloween, the party of Halloween. Anyways, there you go, guys. Beginnings of Halloween. If you want to learn more, you can ask your parents. They'll search it for you on the internet. It's really interesting. (laughs) Conchetta doesn't want to hear about it. Maybe you can only get candy on Halloween once a year. No! Oh! You got to wait only once a year. (laughs) No! All right, guys. Stay tuned next, and we're going to get to our special Halloween story. No! Okay, guys, we are going to be reading today A Tale for Halloween by Loretta Ellen Brady. And this story is about 100 years old. It was published in a magazine called The Green Forest Fairy Book in 1920, 100 years ago. And this was basically like a children's magazine, and they would put all kinds of children's stories and things in them. And around this time of year, they would put Halloween stories in them. So this particular story is called A Tale for Halloween. I think you'll like it. You'll see some similarities of things they did back then a hundred years ago on Halloween that we still do today and maybe some new things that we don't do. We'll talk about it at the end. Here we go. Babette and Anton were the children of a very poor woodcutter. They lived in a little cottage on the side of a steep mountain and the mountain looked up upon a great forest. Now, though their father toiled in the forest from dawn until dark, he could earn little. Wood in that region was plentiful, and woodcutters were numerous. 
Their mother made fine laces, which Anton carried to the market to sell. But in spite of all their efforts, the poor parents seldom could give their children more than bread and broth to eat. Often, indeed, the broth was lacking if the woodcutter found no rabbit in the traps he set. Babette and Anton, however, were happy little children and never thought of their poverty. But it worried the woodcutter that Anton was ten years old and had not yet gone to school. Anton's mother taught him to read and write, that the other boys and girls would not be too far beyond him, and Anton studied his lessons diligently. Often, as he sat doing his sums on the hearthstone with a bit of charcoal for a pencil, his mother would sigh sadly. Anton did not like his mother to be sad, and so he always laughed to cheer her up. "'Never fear, mother,' he would say. "'Soon I shall send myself to school. My vegetable patch does finely. Then, when I'm a great scholar, you shall be poor no longer.' My father shall have a team of oxen, and you shall have fine satin gowns. Babette shall have a dozen real dollies instead of turnip dollies she has now. Oh, Anton, my son, his mother would sigh. Unless you make a fortune as a toy maker, I fear you will have no fortune at all. Your fingers are as clever as a wizard's, even now, and though you're past ten, we cannot spare you to go to school." It was true. As she said, Anton made boats from bits of cedar wood, and when he had fitted them with sails, you could not tell them from any other toy in a shop. He carved a doll and a cradle from a piece of wood and made a dolly with a painted white face of a turnip, until one would think that it was the face of a fair maiden. So blue were this turnip dolly's eyes, and so pink were her cheeks. Her hair of golden corn silk fell in such waves, and her robe of young green cabbage leaves was so green and beautiful. Then, as often as this turnip dolly faded and began to shrivel, Anton made another one, which Babette declared was always more beautiful than the one before. Babette had never been to the village and therefore knew nothing of real dollies. She loved her turnip babies tenderly indeed, and she always carried them in her arms when she went with Anton to meet their father and sang them little songs as she rocked them to sleep. Now it happened one Halloween in the season of fall that Anton sat carving jack-o'-lanterns to sell in the village. Babette, who was rocking her dolly to sleep, sat watching him. But being six, she knew nothing about the fun that comes with Halloween. And so she listened round-eyed with wonder to Anton, who knew all things about jack-o'-lanterns. When she heard that boys and girls dressed like goblins and witches and frolicked in the village streets, Babette made up her mind to frolic, too. "'How fine it must be!' she cried, clapping her hands. "'Halloween must be quite like Christmas!' "'Not quite so fine as Christmas, Babette,' answered Anton, as he carved the teeth in the jack-o'-lantern." But Halloween is very fine, nevertheless. It's comical to see the jack-o'-lanterns bobbing up and down with their faces grinning in the candlelight. And on Halloween, the boys and girls play pranks on their elders that they would never normally do any other time. But everyone laughs and is happy on that one night. Anton finished the jack-o'-lantern and piled it with a dozen more in his cart. He would sell him 
and others at the village when he took his vegetables to market the next day. No one else could carve such splendid pumpkin faces as Anton. Then let us go and play pranks in the village too, Anton, cried Babette. Mother will make us goblin dresses, and there is still one great pumpkin in your garden for a jack-o'-lantern. Oh, and what a frolic we shall have. Babette, exclaimed Anton in astonishment. Wherever did you get such a notion? The frolic in the village is not for us. Mother has no time to make us goblin dresses, and if she did, she has no goods. Besides, how should we find our way home through the forest at night? You know the way through the forest, Anton, insisted Babette. And if mother cannot make us goblin dresses, well, we could go without. It will be dark, and our jack-o'-lantern will be fine and light the way. Oh, do come, she begged. I've never been to a Halloween frolic. Now, Babette, I tell you, you, we cannot go to the village tomorrow night, answered Anton. I could not find my way home through the forest after dark, and we would both be lost. Be a good girl and do not tease me any more. Anton spoke sternly, and Babette burst into tears. She was very fond of her own way, and when she didn't have it, sometimes she could be a little naughty. She sobbed and wept so much that Anton found it hard to refuse her. However, he dared not go to the village at night, as he feared to lose his way in the forest. So Anton trotted Babette on his knee and whispered that he would buy her chocolate, but she only cried harder. "'Now, Babette!' cried Anton at last when Babette showed no signs of stopping. I cannot take you to the village, but if you're a good girl and stop crying, I will make a little Halloween frolic just for you and me. Now promise me you will not cry anymore. Babette dried her eyes and promised. She wished a Halloween frolic, but whether she frolicked at home or in the village didn't matter. Will we wear goblin dresses or ghost dresses, Anton? she asked. Anton puzzled a moment before he answered. Mm, uh, ghost dresses, I think, he said. The next day, Babette was very good. She helped Anton gather his vegetables for market, and when he returned, sat beside him quietly while he carved the last pumpkin from his garden. When the jack-o'-lantern was finished, Anton lighted the candle just for one second so that she might see it grinning in the light. Babette clapped her hands, but he held up a warning finger. The Halloween frolic was to be secret. After supper, the children went to bed as usual, but instead of undressing, they pulled their white nightdresses over their heavy coats. They will do for ghost dresses, whispered Anton when all was still, and they crept softly out. In the moonlight, the jack-o'-lantern was grinning broadly to greet them. Pumpkin is smiling at us, laughed Babette. She was very happy for her frolic was about to begin. Anton struck a match to light the candle, but there was no candle in Jack-o'-lantern. I put the candle in. I know I did, he said in surprise. He searched in the dark, and Babette stopped her laughing. Anton looked about, and there beneath the bench lay the remainder of his precious candle, it was chewed to bits, and the wick was in shreds. Oh, Babette, he cried. A wicked rat has stolen our candle, and I paid a whole penny for it, too. 
Oh, the bad rats, cried Babette, bursting into tears. She stamped her foot and sent the jack-o'-lantern rolling off the bench. It struck the earth with a bump and dented its nose. Now, Babette, what a baby you are! See what you've done, cried Anton. He stooped to pick up the pumpkin, but the pumpkin was too quick for him. Oh, no, you don't! laughed Pumpkin in a thick, throaty sort of voice. Babette smashed my nose, but that's no matter on a Halloween night. Goodbye, boys and girls, he called airily and rolled swiftly down the hill. The children were shocked. You come back here! You're my pumpkin! cried Anton and started after the runaway. Babette followed, weeping and crying aloud. Oh, my Halloween frolic! Oh, my Halloween frolic! She mourned. Now we have no jack-o'-lantern and no candle either. But just you wait until he rolls down into the vegetable garden, shouted Anton as he chased the swiftly rolling pumpkin. He'll have to stop at the hedge. He took his sister's little hand that she might run faster. Pumpkin rolled along just in front of them, but always out of their reach. When he reached the hedge, he gave a great leap and landed directly in the vegetable patch. Come on, you turnips, come on, you carrots, called Pumpkin as he rolled along. At his words, the carrots and turnips tore themselves from their beds and followed after him, shouting. Come on, come on, called the Pumpkin, and the parsnips and the beets followed the carrots and the turnips. Look at Anton following us, yelled Pumpkin, and all his vegetable followers turned and laughed. Ordinary knights, you may be the master, Anton, they cried, but not on Halloween. This is our night. Well, wait until I catch you and then see how hard you'll laugh, called Anton angrily to see his vegetable patch laid waste made him furious. But you'll wait until you catch us before you punish us, won't you, Anton? They answered mockingly. Oh, it's Halloween, it's Halloween, sang Pumpkin, turning handsprings as he rolled along, and the rest of the vegetables did cartwheels as they went carrying after him. They looked like a dozen market stalls upset on the hillside, and poor Anton nearly wept when he thought of his loss. He followed them with determination. Anton was not a lad to give up easily. Follow me, follow me, sang the pumpkin as he led the way to a tiny door that opened beneath the forest. Turnips and carrots squeezed through, and Anton, fearing to be left behind, caught up Babette and ran faster. Just as he reached the little door, a rough potato tried to slam it in his face. But Anton was too quick for him. He ran through and climbed down the hole into the underground forest. There, he continued the chase, but the ground here was springy and elastic, and with each step, Anton began to gain on the vegetables. Babette's fatigue left her and she shook herself free of Anton's hand. "'We'll catch up to them,' declared Anton as they ran along. Even as he spoke, 
potato stubbed his toe, and Babette caught him. She held him firmly, although he squirmed and tried his best to get free. Help, help, bawled Potato when he saw that he was a prisoner. Oh, Pumpkin, wait for me, he cried. The tears streamed down from one of his eyes, and he looked truly sad. At his cries, Pumpkin turned around, and all the vegetables followed their leader. Come on now, Anton, began Pumpkin in a persuasive voice. You might let us have one night off, you know. Halloween is our night. Somewhere on his run, Pumpkin had picked up two twigs, and on these he now balanced himself rather steadily and thrust his leaves into place where his pockets would be. And if he had pockets, I guess. He looked so very jolly, and his grin was so very broad that Anton was inclined to give up the prisoner. But just then, he thought of a ruined vegetable garden, and he grew angry again. It's all very well for you to be polite, Pumpkin, and try to beg off your friend, said Anton. But this is the very fellow that tried to slam the door in my face not two seconds ago. Oh, Anton, cried Potato, that's wrong. It was three seconds ago, as true as I live. I looked at my watch, and just as I was trying to pinch your nose in the underground door, and it's quite three seconds ago, maybe four. Oh, hush up cried Pumpkin. That's no way to talk when you're trying to beg. Let him off for my sake, Anton, he continued in a most winning voice. You'd get everlastingly tired of being in bed yourself. You know you would. See if you wouldn't take the first chance to kick up your heels if you could get it. But Pumpkin, replied Anton, think of my vegetable garden. It is ruined. I was saving all my vegetable for money to go to school, and now I cannot go forever and ever so long. Besides, how could I know you got tired of being in a bed? You never spoke before. You're a pumpkin. Well, I speak to you now, replied Pumpkin. And as for the vegetable patch, we'll all make it up to you, won't we, boys? We will, we will, called the vegetables in chorus, and the potato in Babette's little fist yelled the loudest of all. There now, you see, we mean no harm, declared Pumpkin. So let Potato go. Then you can join both of us in our Halloween frolic. At the magic words, Halloween frolic, Babette put Potato down at once. She was bound to have her fun, and after all, the vegetables seemed to be a jolly lot. So peace was made, and the children followed the bobbing turnips and onions, then shouted wherever they were, and Pumpkin ordered them to a halt. Presently, they were joined by a dozen or more cabbages. You're nice ones, panted the cabbages. There we sat in our storeroom, waiting for you to call us. And the first thing we knew when we saw you was pelting off down the hill like mad little things. My gracious, said a very stout cabbage who was terribly out of breath. I'll have to take off my outer leaves before I go another step. I feel as though I were boiled. Anton recognized the cabbages at once. You are Father Manette's cabbages, aren't you? He inquired politely as they marched along. Why, if it isn't little Anton, the woodcutter's son, explained the very stout cabbage. Yes, we come from Manette's farm. Mother Manette saved us for pickle. But we fooled her and slipped out of the storeroom when she wasn't looking. 
Oh, we cabbages are not so green as we look. The cabbages all laughed, and Anton was surprised to find that he laughed too. As they went marching on, Pumpkin sang and danced in the lead, and onions and carrots echoed his hearty songs. Presently, great black cats with shining yellow eyes stepped from behind trees, and each cat was soon joined by its mistress, who was no other than a real witch in a tall, peaked hat and carrying a broomstick. The cabbages, who were a friendly lot, introduced Anton and Babette to these witches, and the witches seemed pleased to meet the children. They do not seem to be wicked witches, do they, Anton? whispered Babette. Oh, my dear, replied a witch who overheard, we are not a bit wicked on Halloween, you know. Any other night, I would probably do you a mischief. It's my nature, you know. She reached in her bag and handed Babette a peppermint candy. Babette, who was very fond of peppermint, ate it up. You shouldn't do that, my dear, replied the witch. It is seldom witches give peppermints, and when they do, the peppermint should be treasured. Here's another one for you to keep in your pocket, and then you will never be without a peppermint when you want one. And she handed Babette another. Babette curtsied so prettily that the witch was charmed and took her to ride on her broomstick. It was the gayest company one could ever imagine as they marched along. Every vegetable was singing a different Halloween song in a different key, and they all had voices that sang out of tune by nature. Babette, her little white nightdress flying in the breeze, was riding on the witch's broomstick and singing loudly as the rest. When they reached the dancing floor, it was lighted with millions and millions of glowworms, and an orchestra of 10,000 frogs hum lively tunes in their throats. Pumpkin seized a handful of glowworms and put them on his head. Then, with his features all aglow, he cried out, Ready for the dance? Instead of taking partners, the vegetables just plunged onto the floor and began to jump all about mad. If they fell down, they did not jump up at once, but rolled around the floor most good-naturedly. They looked so like vegetables boiling in a great soup kettle that Anton thought he should die of laughing. The witches took to their brooms and began a sort of ladies' change. Figures, while they chased their cats around the edges of the circle. Babette danced hardest of all. She knew no more of dancing than any other carrot or parsnip. She was capered wildly, singing at the top of her voice. Come and dance too, Anton, called Babette, and she went jumping past her brother. But he shook his head and laughed. I'm too big for such nonsense, he said. I'm ten now, you know. What nonsense, cried a witch who was chasing her cat close by. Ten is exactly the right age to have fun. She raised her broom playfully, and before he knew it, she swept Anton into the middle of the dance. Pumpkin, his grinning features all aglow, went flying past and made Anton feel proud. Pumpkin was certainly the handsomest vegetable in the lot. As the night grew later, the frogs hummed faster, but hum as fast as they would, they could not keep up with the frisky vegetables. Beets and cauliflowers continued to bob up and down like mad. Cabbages from Minette's farm lost leaf after leaf. Carrots and onions grew battered from much tumbling about. 
and the merry din of song and laughter grew louder and louder. Let's play blind man's bluff, cried Anton. I'll be it and show you how to play. He tied the handkerchief over his eyes, and the witches and their black cats went darting hither and thither. The vegetables were so pleased with his new game that they would play nothing else. They might have played all night long had it not been for a cock crowing suddenly. Good gracious me, cried a witch. The glowworms are all gone out. It's nearly morning. All who are going back to the vegetable patch had best be on their way now. Not I, cried Pumpkin. I've done with vegetable patches forever. Not we, exclaimed the cabbages. We're not going to turn. We're not going back. We're turning savage and being wild cabbages for the rest of our lives. We shan't go back to Mother Minette's pickle jars. Straight away, every vegetable began to raise its voice and declare it would not go back to Anton's patch. Oh, hush, all of you, cried the witch. Stay in the woods for the rest of your lives if you like. It's nothing to me, but what of Anton and Babette? Who is to take them home? Well, ma'am, replied Pumpkin with a low bow, we thought that you might be good enough to give them a ride home on your broomstick. But Pumpkin, cried Anton in dismay, you promised to me to make it up if I let Potato go, and I think you should all return with me. I shall not have any vegetables if, I, if you remain in the woods. Never worry about that, Anton, replied Pumpkin with a lordy air. Here is a purse for each of you. If you take good care of it and never lose it, you will have plenty of gold forever. Isn't that true, boys? True as we're not going back to the farm, cried the cabbages. You had best hurry and plant yourselves before it grows daylight, Pumpkin, they warned, and began to dig holes in the earth. Before Anton and Babette had mounted the witch's broomstick, all the carrots and turnips and even Pumpkin were all tucked up in their sandy beds. They called a faint goodbye as the children sailed off with the witch. Oh, what a beautiful Halloween frolic, sighed Babette as she leaned her head on Anton's shoulder and fell fast asleep. The broomstick flew with the swiftness of an eagle, and the witch warned Anton to hold Babette with a firm grasp. One by one, the stars went out as they sped across the sky. The black cat steered and seemed to know exactly where the woodcutter's cottage was, for just as the dawn was breaking, the broomstick glided down to Babette's window. The witch shook hands with Anton, and the black cat politely jumped off to help Anton with his sister. Before the good creature could mount again, the broomstick was off like a whirlwind, and it left the cat behind. This broomstick is so wild, I cannot stop it, called the witch from the clouds. Keep good care of my cat until next Halloween. Anton put Babette in her little crib and made the cat a comfortable bed in the kitchen. Then he lay down to sleep and dreamed of the Halloween frolic until he was wakened by his mother. Come, Anton, she cried. I have good news for you. Only look from the window and see the great black cat with the single white hair that sits washing his face in the sun. Such a cat coming to us on Halloween will surely bring us good luck. But come, my child, get up for the sun is high and it's time for you to dig your vegetables for market. Uh, my vegetables have gone wild in the forest, muttered Anton, but it's no matter for here is a bag of gold which they gave me. 
The cat is the black cat of the witch who brought us home on her broomstick. So let me sleep, mother, for I'm very weary with dancing at Halloween frolic. He closed his eyes and slept again, while his mother examined the leather bag. Anton, my son, she screamed. Here is a gold that's yellow as a pumpkin. Where have you been to such a gather? How did you get such wealth? She shook him and gave him no peace until he waked fully and told the story. Even then his mother didn't believe it, but threw up her hands and cried that her son should have such a fever. The woodcutter and Babette came running in to see what had happened. At the sight of the second bag of gold, the poor woman grew calmer. Babette showed the peppermint which the witch had given her, and the mother doubted no more. To receive a peppermint from a witch is surely a mark of great favor, she said, and began to laugh through her tears. I thought I was dreaming or that Anton was raved of fever, for never in my life have I seen so much gold. It's like the fairies to bless the children of the poor, said Babette. Now, Anton will go to school and mother will have a handsome dress and a shawl, said father. And it is not, as I said, cried his wife. A black cat coming on Halloween would bring us good luck, and here is the luck already. It would have been hard to find a happier family than the woodcutters as they set out for the village that day. When it was told that the woodcutter was looking for a pair of oxen, some folks laughed outright. The woodcutter was known to be too poor to feed a pair of canaries, let alone a pair of oxen. But when it came known that the woodcutter's wife had bought a new dress and a golden ring, they began to wonder who had died and left the woodcutter a fortune. Anton told the tale of their wealth to those who questioned him, and straightway the village children ran to throw their jack-o'-lanterns from the roofs and high places. But their pumpkins broke or stayed on the ground below where they had fallen. It was no longer Halloween, remember? At noon, when the woodcutter and his family sat down to dinner in the village, the landlord threatened to charge a penny from all who stood gazing through the windows. Some folks scoffed openly and declared it was a tale to tell children and dullards. But there were the two leather bags filled with gold. The greatest marvel of all was that no matter how much the woodcutter or his wife spent from these, the bags always remained brimful of gold. Anton chose a pair of steel skates in the village shop and brought an armful of books for which he had longed. Babette, however, with her usual persevering ways, would have none of the dollies in the toy village shop. They were ugly, she declared, and their cheeks were not as pink and as beautiful as the turnip dollies Anton made for her. And ever after that, the woodcutter and his wife were no longer poor folk. They had white bread and even butter every day of their lives, and on Sundays and holidays they roasted a fowl for dinner. Anton went to school, and Babette had embroidered a frock which was the envy of every child in the village. Their mother no longer sighed as she went about her household tasks, and neither did she strain her eyes making fine laces for market. Instead, she rode proudly on the seat of her husband's ox cart when he delivered wood in the village. Sometimes she even drank tea with the mayor's wife. 
Visitors from far and near went to see the famous spot where Anton's vegetables all ran away one Halloween night. And to this day, there lives not a man who can make or grow on that land cabbages or turnips or any other vegetable. Although, in a spot in the forest, not far off, cabbages and pumpkins and such all grow wildly. Each year, as regularly as Halloween came to mark the harvest time, Anton and Babette mounted the broomstick with the witch and rode off to the Halloween frolic. There they always found Pumpkin, grown rounder and jollier than the year before, and they always rode home across the sky as the dawn was breaking. The black cat became so fond of Babette that it never left her again and rejoined its rightful mistress. But it remained with the woodcutter and his family and brought them good luck for the rest of their days. The end. That is a Halloween tale. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was pretty interesting. Uh, so some of the same things they do back then a hundred years ago on Halloween is carve jack-o'-lanterns, right? Uh, I think though back then they used them more for, well, decoration, but it was more like a lantern in the dark than anything else, a fun type of lantern in the night, because you have to remember there wasn't electricity back then. So it was a way to light up the, the night since everybody was outside. Um, there wasn't much candy giving, trick-or-treating, giving kids candy, although the witch did give Babette a peppermint, but it seems more like it was just a party to run around at nighttime with costume on when that's something children don't normally get to do. And um, the kids seemed to play pranks on the adults. So that was a fun night that they got away with doing that without getting in trouble for the night. That's something we don't do now. Maybe that would be fun. I don't know. <laughs> so, guys, I hope you enjoyed uh, Tale for Halloween. I thought it was, was a nice story and a nice way to look at the past and how Halloween was celebrated. So I wish you all a happy Halloween. Have a great day or a great night. Talk to you next time. Hey guys, thank you for listening to this episode of Sleepyhead Stories yet again. We are available on 13 different podcasting platforms, all major podcasting platforms. So please make sure you are subscribing to us so that you are notified every time we release a new episode, which is around once a week or so, give or take. You can reach out to us if you'd like a shout out on our Instagram page or our Facebook page, or you can even send us an email, sleepyheadstories at gmail.com. We also have a website, sleepyheadstoriespodcast.com. And finally, if you guys could share us with your friends, people, friends, or family that you think would be interested in listening to Sleepyhead Stories, we would appreciate it. Or you can give us a rating on Apple iTunes and let us know what your favorite episode is, and we'll get back to you with a big thank you. Guys, thanks so much. We truly appreciate it. We love reading these books, and we love sharing them with you. Have a great day or a great night.